Before we embark upon another riveting hour of conversation, I would just like to take this moment to ask, nay, beseech you to subscribe to the podcast, to like it on iTunes, and maybe even leave a review. Hello, I'm Johnny Greenwood, and I play the guitar and the piano and the penny whistle and the bassoon for the Radioheads. I'd like to tell you about the new drop shop from the people who brought you the Dropwine Delivery app. It's at 175 Drury Lane and is a beautifully composed emporium of fine wine and not so fine wine. Each day they offer their daily special by the glass at a knockdown price, sometimes as low as £2. Imagine! Download the app today from dropwine.co.uk and receive £10 off your first order when you enter Kitchen on Fire in the promo code. Toodles! Please bring responsive with your associate employee contemporaries, horaries, horaries, Sam. James. Good day. Good day. You alright? Very well. James, start with some housekeeping. Okay. A couple of follow-ups following the earth-shaking events the awards. of last week's pod. The yeah. awards. Is it all kicked off on Twitter? And the, uh, well, not, no, not really. <laughs> <laughs> but the um, couple of follow-ups on Twitter, like people who missed the memo of when to stop sending questions. So oh. I thought maybe we could answer a couple of them. Okay. Uh, so, really hitting the ground running, aren't we? Yeah, so somebody's asked me, uh, no more Cav Nero or no more ghost stories, you decide. That's from Richard Dixon, whose name on... Dr. Dick Dixon. Dr. Dick Dixon, yeah. Is he a doctor? I'm assuming so. I mean, I've, I've always assumed he's a doctor. He's not one of those... If he's like... Well, I don't want to be unkind because we've had some doctors of other things... I'm assuming he's a GP or something, or, a, or, a, or a, a, you know, a, not a surgeon because they're not doctors, are they? They're misters or misses. Oh, I didn't know that. Or misses, or. Um, but I, I'm assuming he is a, a doctor. You know, medical. Be a weird name choice on Twitter. Could be a, could doctor, be a pro- like doctor Dick. Proctologist. Oh yeah, opposite of proctologist. A dick yeah. doctor. Dick doctor. Yeah. What is a dick doctor? Somebody, doctor's dick. No, but what's you know, proctologist is an ass doctor. Yeah. What's a dick doctor? Oh, penologist? <laughs> Don't know. That's something else. That's, a, that's somebody who does dinosaurs, isn't it? That puppetry of the penis. <laughs> that was huge for a while. They do dinosaurs, anyway. Talk about dinosaurs. Uh, anyway, yeah, so no more Cavanera or no more ghost stories. Well, that was a question for you. Yeah, yeah, that's what I said. So what's the answer? Uh, it would be no more ghost stories. I love Cavanera. I love ghost stories too, but I've run out of good ones, to you be can fair. Substitute ghost, you can substitute Cavanera for other... Brassicas, you know, kale, etc. Whereas ghost stories are ghost stories. You can't be like, oh, now I'm going to talk about astrology. I mean, you probably could. Anything that's bullshit you're into. But. I did see a cool video, which was the actual size of um, meteors. Right. 
for the ones that they they know where they are. To me, to you, that was what the Chocolate Brothers was yeah. all about. The the ones where they know where they are. Yeah, so they have names. Right. Named these asteroids, and they Barry. showed how big they are compared to New York City. Right. And that is quite a terrifying graphic to have a look at. Yeah. So are we talking like twice the size? That's small ones. That's a little one. Big ones are like 300 miles across. Usually they go with Wales or Belgium in these metrics. Yeah. So they start off with one that's a bit bigger than a dude. Or a woman. A human. A person. Yes. A human being. Um, Or or someone who doesn't identify as a human. Exactly. Can you do that? Yeah, you can identify. I mean, actually, I don't want to be. I don't, I don't want to sound like Toby no, Young. No, 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 exactly. Yeah, yeah, I didn't want, yeah, I didn't mean it that way. No, but I. anyway, so one bigger than than a. Um, but some of them are. They start off, and you're like, God, that's enormous. That's like bigger than the Empire State Building. And they get bigger and bigger and yeah. bigger, and then you're like, Wow, if that hit planet Earth, we're in some shtuk. But they also say big ones. That's easy. We know where they are. It's the little ones. The little ones. But I'm also like, yeah, but a big one. What could you do? Well, have you not seen Armageddon? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. We'll send we'll send Batfleck up there and he'll sort it out. Um, he doesn't anyway. miss a thing. <laughs> he doesn't want to miss a thing. Doesn't <laughs> sometimes mean he, he does. He sometimes does. Yeah. Uh, oh, and the other one is just a reply, really, from Joe Crisp, who okay. we wondered whether or not they really like crisps. And uh, actually, I do quite like crisps. Which it seems weird to me. It depends where you put the emphasis. Actually, I do quite like crisps. That's like, mm, I'm into them. Whereas, actually, I do quite like crisps. Yeah, it's tough to tell what Joe Crisp when it's written down. Joe, would you clarify? <laughs> yeah, please clarify. Please. It's a very vague, Can't vague wait. response. We'll do a weekly update on whether or not you, <laughs> you like crisps and whether or not Dick Dixon is a, dick of, is a doctor yeah, of dicks. Yeah, we need some confirmations. Is he a doctor of dicks? And is that your real surname? And what's your, yeah, percentage-wise, percentage of love for crisps? It was actually Joe Crisp who asked the best question that uh, I've been thinking about, which is why why do chefs not get or do chefs not get bored yeah. of cooking? Was that was that from them? That was yeah, cooking the same Crisp. things. Joe Crisp we, won, to be fair, so yeah, she did. Or greedy. he is it? I, I think don't know. It's a, a J O spelling, but that doesn't mean much. They that also stands for something else. So week in week out, how do chefs not get bored? And you went on your nice little... Th- Are you going to think I'm having a go? Because I sort of am, but I'm not. <laughs> okay. Uh, your little thing about, oh, supper club. I was always really bored second weeks cooking the same thing. Oh, so boring. Oh, I don't like doing it. Um, and I thought, fair enough. That's, that's Sam in a nutshell. You know, you're a progressive guy. You're like a shark. You want to keep moving forward. You don't want to repeat stuff. You get bored, yeah? yeah? You're a creative guy. Your brain fizzes like a dib-dab. With too much tongue in it. <laughs> right? I know what you're going to say. And yet at home... Exactly. You cook about three dishes. for that. Lab, fatty... That's not true. Two, two dishes, in fact. That's not true. But, OK, that is not true. I'm exaggerating for effect. Yeah. But it is also true that you quite happily... And this isn't a criticism, yeah. but I'm making a point. Yeah. Quite happily cook... What did you cook uh, Monday night? I cooked a lab for Margaret. Yeah. yeah. What did you cook over the weekend? Uh, Sunday sauce. Yeah, did meatballs, yeah. Did you? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Shall rest my valleys. Sure. Yeah, I think also there's a different... Uh, the slight difference would be... I do cook a lot of different things as well, but I do have a lot of just go-tos, largely because 
a lot of the time I just I'm not necessarily cooking them because I'm like oh this is the best thing to cook I'm just I can't be bothered to think about what to cook so it's easy and to think about what I'm going to buy and like you cook because you just find some crap that's rotting in your fridge mm. or like Rosie does shoots so there's like random things around so you just oh, I'm just going to fuck around and do stuff yeah. whereas for me to do that I would just sort of have to walk around the supermarket just grabbing random things and that's like a level of fun that I don't need because I've yeah. got other things I'd rather do than cook than the process of cooking the sort shopping of being, as the well the shopping yeah yeah it's the shopping not the cooking that is the you suppose so yeah where you can't be asked to be creative yeah because probably if you if your wife didn't do what she did and so your your fridge and stuff would be sort of would be a blank slate like yours yeah yeah basically that you know and you would have certain things in your cupboard or whatever you know oh I've got fish sauce mm. I've got soy sauce I've got gojujang whatever I don't know why I picked those two but fine so you'd be like right but there's a weekly Risotto. shop done yeah so you would repeat those things or whatever. Yeah. So, yeah, I see the point. No, no, but yeah. it's a good answer. Yeah. There you go. But it's like the enjoyment thing. I suppose it's different for a professional chef because it's their job as well. But, you know, the enjoyment, I suppose, is how much enjoyment do you take from cooking? And I only really take enjoyment from cooking when it's, like, for something. But then that could be making Sunday sauce, making meatballs on a Sunday. But I think <laughs> that's because of the vibe of the day. What happens if you do that on a Saturday? Sunday sauce. Yeah. <laughs> Fucking the world ends. That's wheels off tactics. Very confusing. Yeah. But good point. Well made. No, well, but well answered. I mean, you really did brown that cream. Yeah. Uh, really I enjoyed did. the answer. Uh, James, what's going on with you? Um, I don't think a great deal, is there? I don't know. Oh, you said that as a leading question. Yeah, I thought you yeah, were. I thought you were going to go, well, Sam. Well, uh, I've got my kids back. I had my wife back, but she's gone again. Yeah. Everyone's going to think the wheels are coming off this marriage. They're not. They're firmly on, but she's uh, she's 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 gone away again. How's her foot? Well, just for an I update need to for actually, listeners, because we did find, say she's not replying to my messages. Maybe she is leaving me. Maybe the whole the whole thing is a ruse. Uh, it swelled uh, after following last week's stingray revelation. It, she got back from her travels and it was better, and then it really flared up over the weekend. So she's on antibiotics. So hopefully it's flared down. But, um, you know, stingrays are no joke. They, they can... I've got to say, when you first told me that, oh, she got stung, and, oh, yeah, she's fine, I was thinking, that ain't going to end well. Yeah? Yeah. All right, well, don't don't tempt fate. Well, if she loses no, her foot, you're going to oh, feel God, bad about some shit like that. I would feel really bad. Yeah. It's the same thing. Have you, heard you. From, have you heard from Owen Barrett since last week's pod? No. I've seen it. He's still active uh, he's on, on the Instagram. Instagram. Yeah, he is. That's Why? good. Did, well, we, did we kill him off? Well, I was saying because I didn't know whether or not he was alive or dead. Uh, no, no, he's still, news, he's he's still gramming. Alive. He did a nice looking pancake on Pancake Day. Did he? Did you do anything for Pancake Day? No, I was here. Still, you could have made yourself some pancakes. Oh, yeah. Probably watched the film instead. I did, yeah. I, uh, yeah, I did. What was it? documentary called American Factory that we've just talked about so let's not talk about it on here don't like doing stuff twice I get bored <laughs> yeah. I'll probably watch that film again though because <laughs> <laughs> there's nothing else on uh, lovely uh, I cooked a really crap risotto yeah I'm you sure. keep talking about risotto did you cook was that for moves oh I cooked a really good one for me and Fly oh so you're just cooking the same thing over and over again that's weird uh mm. Yeah, because there was a lot of stock in the freezer that uh, needed eating up. Ah, uh, interesting. Stock. Chicken stock. Yeah, is that, have you got, is that coming up? Question on the quiz. Yeah. Excellent. Um, 
And then for some reason, the one I did for me and Rosie the other night was not good, and I couldn't. It wasn't bad. It was it just had a funny, like I was going to say, cheesy flavour to it, which <laughs> but it tasted like what's it? Was it uh, what was it a risotto of? Um, rice mostly, stock, yeah. Yeah. butter, cheese. What the fuck else did I put in there? Oh, chard. Chard, you love a chard. Oh, and you? then I did a little poached egg yolk on top. It was nice. Did it you was, just yeah. a yolk? Just a yolk. Because well, I don't want to, you know, a poached egg on a risotto. No, you want you're a, fried a psychopath egg. or scrambled eggs. <laughs> wow, that sounds horrible. <laughs> that sounds horrible. Imagine that scrambled egg risotto. Would it suck? Yes, but this is the same texture, basically. Yeah, but just different enough. But you the, could the be, uncanny valley between the textures. It would be uncanny valley, yeah. But unless you could like sort of teach your brain, and be like, it's fine. They're just like little egg pellets. Egg pellets. <laughs> Everyone loves an egg pellet. Yeah. Um, <laughs> interesting. And uh, you poached a yolk. What do you do with the whites? Uh, well, obviously, zero waste. Exactly. So I was going to say, what's Doug McMaster going to say about they're, it? They're uh, in the fridge. I'm going to make a meringue tonight <laughs> when I get back. Nice. I'm anno- yeah, I'm annoying the piss out of everyone at S&D in the kitchen. Be like, why are we wasting that? Why are we wasting that? Micro waste, but still. Yeah, no, that's good. Your uh, PJ is delicious. Power juice. Yeah, yeah. Nobody the... will call it power juice to customers, but it is delicious. They're not meant to. Oh, okay. Uh, Everyone it's... thinks they are. No, it's like tasty paste. That's <laughs> ah, okay. an internal expression. Right. Well, no, no one should call the smoked tomato relic. What well, we don't even have a name for it. We yeah. call it tasty paste. But there's no way that's going into a customer's face. Oh, that's oh have good. some tasty paste. Have some power juice. Uh, yeah, like, wine bar was freaking out about it because he was a bit like, oh, yeah, is it all right if I call it green juice too? Because James always calls it power juice. Yeah, that's a joke. Yeah. That's I cool. should clarify. Yeah. Because it's like suddenly you hear one of the team going, and we've got the power juice, and they're like, what, what is power juice? Well, it's green juice. I had a great customer the other day, Monday, about half three in the afternoon, came in, can I get a large glass of Merlot, please? I thought that's great on a Monday afternoon. So like, sorry, we haven't got any Merlot. Um, we've what got, do we have, Sam? Is it Sangiovese? Very good. Yeah, we've got a glass of Sangiovese. And she said, "Oh, I'll get that then." And oh, actually, what's this? And she lifted up the bottle of PJ. What's this? And I said, "Ah, oh, this is my friend James <laughs> Ramsden's powerful juice." Uh, I said, "Ah, oh, that's green juice," <clears throat> and told her what was in it. And she said, great, I'll get a glass of that as well. And she just sort of two-balled no. the pair of them. No. It was absolutely awesome. That is eccentric and she, she said they were both delicious when she left. She was a lovely lady. I used to do a cocktail, too. It'd be like a calimocho for, yeah. for detox fuckers. Yeah. All right. Um, yeah, I started making some kimchi. Have you? Yeah, because of all the, all the cabbage roots, the, the Napa cabbage roots that get flung away. Napa cabbage, the leaves go in the... Uh, Prawn sandwich. And you're making kimchi? Making a bit of kimchi. Don't know what to do with it yet. Might do a kimchi mayo, figure out where we're going to put that. But. Oh, good on you. Because we feel the mortadella sandwich needs amping up, so I'm yeah. just messing around with things and seeing. Um, what happened to you? You did a dippy dip as well. What's happened to that? I haven't even tried it. Well, that's for when we reopen in the evenings. Oh, okay. Dippy dip, prawn crackers and dip. And dip, yeah. What did I call it? Probably did call it dippy dip. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone would be like, do we have to <laughs> call it... Ju- <laughs> yeah, James This is James's dippy dip. <laughs> His powerful dippy dip. Yeah, uh, it's very childish, really. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that's uh, that's me in a shell of nuts. Great. Um, who's on the pod tonight, James? On the pod tonight, today, this week, this week. It's not tonight. It's what if someone's listening in the morning. 
they're going to be confused by time. They're going to think, is yeah. it Sunday night? I wonder, do you reckon people listening to this are equally as confused about time as I am? You are. We are. I think you made them, though. <laughs> made them so. That's good. I like the Christopher Nolan of podcasts. When's that film out? Uh, June, I think, July. Oh. Cannot wait for that. That's the real summer blockbuster, isn't it? It is. That's got to make some serious bank. And what, it probably will make some serious what, they spent bank. a lot on it? They spent a lot on it, yeah. It's a quarter of a bill or something, isn't it? No. Yeah, 250 mil. That's a quarter, yeah. Yeah. Right there. Yeah. That is pure math. Yeah. Um, on the podcast this week, on the ticky off, uh, we've got Chef. Does he call him Chef? I think he probably still does call him Chef. Self Chef. Valentine Warner, who will be familiar to uh, many of you as uh, the... He sort of came out when I was just starting out in the food world, maybe a bit before mid-noughties, I'd say. Yeah. And he had a book called What to Eat Now yeah What to Eat Now What to Eat Now was that his first book I can't remember actually really done our research um, and and has done various other lovely books The Good Table I enjoy I thumb it on the reg um, he's just a good simple ingredients cooked well kind of chef he's basically got- he stole your thumbs a bit didn't he no he no. sort of took your spot didn't no. he did he yeah he's uh, do you think that though no. Are we going to have that conversation? I don't think that. And what if I probably it up? We Is are. that cool? Yeah. We are going to have that conversation. But I imagine, I, imagine if you'd have come out just like a month before him. Be I, like, oh, we can't. All right. I re- we can have this conversation. But I would say, I would say he was a, a further nail in a necessary coffin that there's probably enough public school boys um, doing cookery books and food shows because he did TV as well. And maybe, maybe, maybe he's the. Yeah, that's enough. But maybe whether. Uh, so without him, maybe I would have just had a sniff. But you know, it was time up for times up for the posh white boys. But the, and that's so fine. The biggest question is: Is he a cut rate James Ramsden, or are you a cut rate Val Warner? I would say neither. We're both cut rate human beings. Uh, anyway, Val now messes around in Norway a lot with our, with your boyfriend Tom Hayward. Uh, yeah. Um, he also has a gin. Called Heppel Gin. I thought you said gym. He's got a gym. <laughs> he is ripped. He's fitness first. Um, and yeah, fucking hell, mate. That's terrible. Uh, you know, after the old jingle, Val Warner. Bye. Bye. Anyway, look, just, we're, not, we're not here to talk yeah. about our woes. Um, I'd love to. We're here um, to talk about yours. I love one of really um, good moan. <laughs> uh, what's what's what's? Where are you now? Are we starting? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We just oh, go straight in. in. Um, we're in. Where am I now? Gosh, it's hard um, to tell because sometimes I feel I move around rather a lot. But yeah. um, well, just so about. last time, last time we preempted your your visit by saying, and next week on the podcast we've got Valentine Warner, <laughs> and then we sat here the following week, and then I think I got texting saying, "Fuck, I'm in Malaysia. Sorry." Um, so, well, here I sit in just out, um, on the edge of Covent Garden, but I guess the next adventure is going to be back in Norway um, in the week after next. How do you pronounce the place you go? Um, well, the Lofoten is... Lofoten. But then um, there's probably a whole load of Norwegians listening to this who are going, you um, We are moron, huge in but, Norway. Sorry? We are huge in Norway. Oh, you huge in Norway. Yeah. yeah. We join forces. I'm big in Micronesia and Palau, right. so, you know, let's... 
Um, but people kept saying, oh, Val Warner's thing in Lofferton. I thought it was like West Country. Oh, Lofferton. Is that where the fellow with the scallops is? Yes, it is. Um, nearby. Rod- Rod- um, Roddy? And it's, um, I guess, one of the many reasons I love it. It's, it's the complete opposite um, to everything I find happens in London. It's a very analogue place. And the idea has really been to, to take up the world's great cooks, but the ones who can really respond directly to what they see out of the kitchen window, not send us long lists of things that you mm. could find in London, ultimately, because we've got a wealth of cod and mushrooms bubbling up everywhere and little lambs scampering around and just wonderful, wonderful produce, you know, snow grouse and hares and all these wonderful things. So, when so, you the, say, uh, sorry, so, sorry, so just when you say we, take us back to the beginning of your involvement in Lofoten. It's very nice. Well, I guess it's saying it's very nice to, to know you have a fan because I got a, an email from somebody called Ingen Rasmussen. Now, there's a name. And she said, I've, I'm stuck in Korea um, working here and um, you seem to be on television here a lot. We've watched all your programmes. I've now ordered your books. And I, I've just kind of decided on a hunch that I quite like you. Would you like to come to Norway and see what I've got up there? So for all my love of trolls and moss and wooden cabins and dark mysterious woods and the violent Norse gods and a real urge to go there, I said no because I'm quite busy and I... And then I got on the phone with her, and she has a kind of amazing, tinkling, fun voice. She was so funny um, that I just thought, right, I'm coming. And then an air ticket arrived. And then, to cut a long story short, tiny airport, luggage on the runway, kind of I'm in love already. And then arrived at this amazing collection of cabins on the edge of the sea and totally fell in love. And I think after a few days of drinking Aquavit and winching up enormous cod and... um, she said, what do you want to do? So we had a think and decided that we wanted cooks. But because the kind of weather is master of everything up there, because, you know, under the constant light show of the midnight sun or the, you know, the trembling aurora, mm. it can also be very brutal up there. So we needed to give people things to do when they couldn't get out. So subsequently, for instance... Isn't that where the aquavit comes in? Well, the aquavit's one thing, but yeah. you board can't, board, you know, board, but we don't games. want a punch up in the car park. Yeah. Um, so in September, for instance, while Angela Hartnett's up there cooking, um, then we've got Ardman Animation, who will be there teaching everybody plasticine workshops, Jim Parkin wow. from Ardman, um, so that people have got something wonderful to do. And then we've got, um, you know, uh, Alex Pohl and Ed Hunt making knives, blacksmithing. So not only do you eat and kind of soak up this amazing countryside, but you leave with a, you know, a little knife in, rolled up in your trousers in your suitcase and... <laughs> Having made a little film. Amazing. It's a wonderful thing. But in this kind of world of digital mayhem and all this constant pushing um, that I find here, I go up there and you breathe in and it all, all the kind of crap skids away out of your brain, tumbling away. And you're just left and you kind of realise as, you know, it's kind of, you know, it's nature is your default setting and you... Kind of, it's it's an amazing place, a very moving place. Um, How much time do you spend there? Um, hopefully, the more and more. Um, so I tend to go up at one to two weeks at a time, and as we put more events up there, you know, who knows? Um, who knows? But um, and what's your sort of role in that? Are you sort of ringmaster? Are you getting the people? Ringmaster, there? I what's like the... ringmaster. I was asked to kind of describe my job the other day. So ringmaster, so I cook half the meals, right? Um, and then kind of make sure that everybody's all right and make sure they got drinks, which are coincidentally for, you know, um, provided by the genius that's Nick Strangeway, who's up there kind of making wonderful cocktails for everybody. So, so I'm kind of, you know, um, 
I was just going to say fluffer, but um, you know, kind of <laughs> ringmaster, curator, curator, in a less wanky way, curator, or more wanky, yeah. Um, yeah, as in the word curator. And also, we aim to have wanky. kind of more arts projects and maybe artists in residence up there and stuff. So you know, maybe curator is a you know a good word. Um, it sounds pretty dreamy. It's like it's. I mean, it's like all you know. So many of these residencies and pop ups and stuff here have the sort of slight whiff of or can have the slight whiff of Soho House about them and there's something I love the the piece Tim Hayward wrote about about coming up there yeah well and Tim had a, a, a great old time <laughs> yeah he made it sound pretty appealing but um, you know it feels perfectly balanced between kind of in the way it's sort of like a Norse um, Coombe said almost like it's the complete opposite of Soho House yeah. really and I think that there's you have to you know you will at some point be standing in soaking wet trousers if things do not go according to plan I mean it's all very comfortable and you get fed extremely well but you know it's a visceral place and you know things happen up there mm. so I think you know you can come with all the expectations you like and you will have a wonderful time but you know, all manner of things can up, unfold up there according to what those brutal um, Norse gods decide as they play around. They really are bodies. quite... Uh, let's see. I mean, the Tick-Off <laughs> Boys versus the Norse gods. I'm back in us. Can you, uh, can you... You briefly touched on uh, Nature's Larder up there, but I'd love to hear more about the... Uh, Bounty at your fingertips. A, the, the snow grouse. The, um, the, the Lofoten lamb, dare I say it, is, I think, the greatest lamb I've ever eaten. Right. And there's a kind of menus are dictated up there. You'll be standing on the, the water's edge and you'll see the lambs nibbling on the seaweed. And then they turn around and their bums disappear through the, you know, barge through the juniper. So you kind of think, well, I'm going to steam the lamb in seaweed and then I'm going to put it over charcoal and, and cook it with juniper wood mm. or... You know, there's it's all right. you're walking down from the hill and you've got, you know, some ptarmigan in your hand and then there's some, you know, the last of the, you know, the lingonberries there and so you arrive back and go, right, what am I going to do with... So you, if you stand still and breathe in and stop and think, it's kind of all there in front of you. And then, of course, there's amazing, you know, cheesemakers mm. and um, there's a wonderful um, farmer called Amy who's going to start, you know, growing animals just for us. And then you've got the cod and the... There's hairs everywhere, so you know which you can kind of a, a hair and aquavits you, and, and there's all tons of crab. Um, I mean, it's it's incredible. And then this rather curious monster called a wolf fish, which right. I don't know if you've seen. Which is um, which when you I cut one open, it had four large crabs in its stomach hole. No, and it's got this incredible kind of crushing jaw and these kind of fearsome fangs. It's it's terrifying. It looks like a troll. Um, and then you've got the wolfish, which kind of um, is a texture. Wolfish. Wolf, wolf, a wolfish. Wolf um, which is a kind of textural experience because it doesn't really taste of anything to meat, but it's got the most incredible texture. So you have to kind of, it, There's lots of weird and wonderful things up there. And what I think we picked the last trip up there. The first thing we did, because you know, when you're stretching from getting off an aeroplane, is dash off up the hill and immediately pick nine kilos of seps um, sure, in yeah. about 40 minutes. So, you know, it's, it's groaning with stuff up there. Well, then. You've always been quite um, a man of nature since... I mean, I've known you for... Well, since really... Well, a but, good long time. Yeah, before my first ever... I start, I touched on it earlier when I was sort of introducing you. But um, when I was a, a whippersnapper at university and would spend my summers as, a, as an intern at Sainsbury's magazine was when we first met. Mm. And you were... Um, 
your first book was about to come out and I remember you saying, yeah, I've just, be, I've just caught a pike and I've got to deliver it to Racine because Henry Harris wants it. He's going to make an old crochet. <laughs> right. and, so, and I was just like, this guy just goes out in his big, thick jumper and he's just catching pike like it ain't no thing. And um, that's obviously always been the driving passion is the... I think that's thankfully, you stuff. know, growing up in r- 70s rural Dorset with a father who was, you know, a diplomat, but his, you know, other home life was as a farmer. Um, I was born unsqueamish. Um, I, I put everything in my mouth from tipex to, you know, erasers. I mm. bit everything from table <laughs> legs to people. Um, and I kind of understood the world through my mouth and growing in, you know, which was quite dangerous at times, but I kind of grew up viewing the world as either edible or inedible. Mm. Everything, really. And um, A lot of grey area, of course. A lot it? of grey areas, um, you know, tried and tested. Um, but then, you know, but also Dad, who would kind of come through the door with, you know, go into his pockets and produce lots of, you know, um, unripe hazelnuts or shaggy ink caps or rose hips. So yeah, it's kind of, and that's how I, that's how I liked, I liked being outside as well. You know, when I was playing with my Star Wars figures, mm. I was, you know, outside. So. And when um, did you, you start as a artist? In, is a career or was that a sort of university? No, it was a career. I, I loved, um, yeah, I learned how to play cards at art college and then um, left and, Decided I wanted to be a portrait painter. You know, that's painter. not the point of art college. Sorry? That's no, a, no, that, no. That was a side, um, and side pot. I kind of started out as a portrait painter and really enjoyed it. But I think the reason I went into kitchens was because I was, uh, you know, I could go the wrong way and I knew that and I wasn't disciplined. And to go into kitchens was really actually me forcing discipline on myself. I thought I can't do this for myself. Consciously. I or... need to be told what to right. do. Otherwise, I'm going to be a, you know, a wild one. So I walked into um, Lancaster Road, Alistair Little's, said, give me a job. I didn't know who he was. He just happened to be the restaurant next door to me. Right. Um, and he said, no, um, go and work somewhere else for six months, then come back and I'll know you're serious. So I worked in, I don't know if you remember the Halcyon restaurant in Holland Park, which was a lovely, you know, kind of um, restaurant. And then went back to Alistair. And he said, um, see you on Monday. And that was really kind of the start of it all. That's a hell of a sort of decision to make. You've been at art college. Uh, were you painting or drawing or portraiture? I was, I was doing everything. I was making kind of little theater, uh, little sets in boxes. I, was, I pulled apart a, um, I pulled apart a, a rank Xerox um, photocopying machine and made, and made these two wheels which were made of um, 30 wooden rabbits that went round and then I, I, got, I built a hut and thatched it and then put the motor inside it and it was about four foot off the ground and it kind of drove along and plugged into the wall and all sorts of kind of mad stuff But, um, that's, it's, it's, but to do that to be purely sort of following an artistic path and then to be actually no I'm not going to do that I want discipline I want to be told that but I think cooking is an artist I mean if apart from the discipline you know when you're painting you have to kind of do it for yourself but you know apart from the 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 self-imposed discipline I guess and I don't want to oversimplify it but you know whether you're cooking or um making art you're kind of arranging shapes and colors except that one's absolutely required to taste completely delicious but there's lots of artists who are great cooks yeah. and there's um, lots of cooks who are really handy with a borrow or a paintbrush, you know, when mm. they're doodling or, or actually doing some painting. So I think the two go 
very well together. In fact, I think there should be a book that someone should do about you know kind of art and food and the crossover between cooks and famous artists. Because I'm sure there'd be lots of lots of wonderful stories in there. But also to be in that situation of um, sorry, Matt, I don't want to overlabor it, but you're at art college, you're making mobile rabbit hutches and, <laughs> and, and painting and whatever else. But then to be like. Oh, no, actually, no, I'm, not, I'm playing cards. No, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to go into a kitchen, you know, at the bottom. And Well, I had to satisfy my... I think it's, it's a great question because I think the problem I had with art is that I'm, I, I guess I'm slightly hyperactive. I've got a lot of energy and I wasn't expending it. I find it very hard to sit down and all kind of be still, I guess, which right. you're required to be when you're painting. So I needed something that I knew could kind of satisfy that constant urge to move um, and a kitchen... And I spent a lot of time thinking about food. I mean, in, at art college, on my baby belling, you know, which was above a sawmill in Archway, with all the every night I'd come in, there'd be dust mm. all over the duvet and everything. You'd have to wipe it off. You turn the baby belling on, it would immediately start smoking because of all the MDF dust on it. But in there, I cooked, you know, octopus, and I kind of did things with goats and. And this was all in my bed sit, you know, so... Uh, sorry. <laughs> oh, I was going to leave that. It gets out, worse yeah. than that. That's um, it. I'll cut that into the inter. Okay. Um, <laughs> but it... But, it, um, but uh, yeah, so I was kind of always cooking. And I had two parents who were both brilliant cooks. So it wasn't as if food was, oh, I think I like that. Yeah. Um, it was something that was deeply kind of ingrained in family life. And, and I understood would um, satisfy my need to fidget. Um, perpetually um. I like the Alistair Little origin story because these days anyone going in, can I come and cook for you yeah brilliant desperate for staff yeah. please come and start the idea of someone going come back in six months would be I can't imagine that happening unless you're Claire Smith or something who's just you know, swimming but, in. but then there's very careful people I mean you know people who work for you know, Nathan, they don't leave. I think it's probably quite hard to get a job in Nathan Atwell's restaurant because he's so nice to work for that people don't leave. I think that if you don't treat people very well, they leave and you're going to have a constant kind of turnover problem. If you're good to people, you pay them properly, they will work all the hours of the day for you, but you've got to be nice to them. So I suspect I that kitchens part, with very high turnovers are, you know, maybe, you know... I think that's part of the battle. I... Part of it, obviously, but... It's certainly not all of it. And... and Part of it is is the sort of working environment. Part of it is just the. I don't want to sort of diverge into millennial bashing, but I think there is, especially in London now, because everyone knows that everyone's short-staffed. You think if, if two, three, four weeks in a job and you're not wild about it, you know you're going to try somewhere else. I, I agree, and, but I, I think the other the other problem, if I can add on to that, to kind of you know support your causes, I think it. You know, I notice that, you know, or, and I don't want this to sound wrong either, but young people learning now, it's like, oh, I know how to do it now. Mm. And actually, no, you don't really have any deep understanding. You've done a bit of cooking, but, you know, you don't know about the, the natural history. You don't know. You've got no deep knowledge. Mm. So, but we live in this world of very fast knowledge where people imagine far too quickly that they've got the hang of it. And now mm. I'm going to go and express my own ideas. Mm. In a de- it's like you're, you're simply not ready. So good luck. And on you go. Or maybe you're bored. But actually... Quite a lot of this is about boredom and repetition. So, you know... Um, yeah, I mean, know. as discussed earlier, uh, uh, you know, and last week, is, is repetition is part of it. And um, Go and get a, you know, go and do a bit of cooking in Japan and then see how long you last there, you know, um, you would kind of want to say to them. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, for a lot, you know, I get the feeling that a lot of 
you know, a CDP now thinks after six months at CDP, right, I'm sure, am I not a junior Sue now? And you think, no. You know, that that's not... Progression doesn't happen that quickly. I mean, I, it doesn't, you know, doesn't I've mean never it's worked possible. in kitchens like that. I mean, right. you know, working, you know, for, you know, that was always right. You were, I mean, I think what I loved about Alistair, which was it was just this, you kind of walked into this huge amount of generosity. And of course, you weren't going to be able to, you know, screw up a piece of fish mm. if you weren't ready for it. But the fact is that he'd probably let you screw up a sea bass. You'd be standing over well, you, but goat, at least. you You'd all had well to do everything. <laughs> um, you'd all have to do everything. <laughs> Um, what were you, what so were you, you cooking? Where, when was this? What, what kind of? This what was, was in there? 1990. I left art college in 93, so it was kind of around 1995. What were there? What's the big hits on the menu then? Big hits on I the menu. I think that's a weird time that isn't talked about quite a lot about sort of mid 90s, early 90s, mm. that sort of time in London restaurants, which seems so long ago in in a lot of ways. But like, what was you know the the hit dishes then compared to like now you're like oh everyone's going to have the brat 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 well I mean the- you never see anyone in London make you know Alistair's you know uh, you know there's a lot of Italian restaurants but I very very rarely see a rotolo being done by anyone it's a real pain in the ass to make um, and so that would be something that was you know kind of frequently on Alistair's menu you know lots and lots of pulses and you know I always made all the ice cream um, and did all the fish actually in the end because I'm mad about taking fish apart but um have you come uh, across Josh Nyland? Yeah. What's your take on him? My take on that, my take on Josh Nyland is, is that I'm fascinated by him. I think it, I, I think it, some of it's quite divisive. I mean, if you call, you know, of course you can have a, a fish chop because it's got the bone left yeah. sticking out of it. But it, it kind of works. It's alluring. It draws you in. Um, can you have a kind of, you know, cod guanciale? Well, no, not really, because Guanciale is, you know, I mean, I'm making that one up, but, oh, right. you know, I like the kind of, I like the similarities that he draws between these. I think he's thinking about things in, in a very different way. I think it, visually it's very, very mm. exciting. Um, and I want to eat more of it. Um, so I kind of, you know, I'm all for him. And I think that there's a, I think there's a few kind of jealous people out there who are, you know, um, and, you know, if you, I kind of say, I think he's great, really. Mm. Um, I tweeted a while back. I liked his fish eyeball crispy crisp that I had. Um, I wouldn't have known it was a fish eyeball, but I love the fact no, that it was a fish eyeball ice cream. He did. Fish no, eyeball. He talked about the cracker out of the fish eyeball cracker. What did he do? He did nice cream. He did a fat sea bass uh, fat ice cream. Sea bass fat ice cream. And really. he's uh, he's I like his um he's very contained individual, mm. um, and seemingly modest. But then when he kind of talked, he was you know he was kind of forthright. So you know. He came, well, we, we, he came on the on the pod, and I was yeah. s- sort of blown away by his. Because he's uh, super young as well, isn't he? Thirty, maybe. Yeah, yeah, very young. But it's and nice to see people thinking very, I mean, extremely differently. And well, this is the one thing that bugs people, but they it's the first thing they bring up. I said I think he's the most interesting chef in the world right now, and you always get the blowback is always he's not doing anything that. Um, Japanese cooks would find at all innovative and I'm sure but that's true but my point isn't so I mean part of it is the fact that he's highlighting the amount of waste that happens when we cook fish but also mm. just as you say like the beauty of it the arrangements the the you know, the way he's putting 
ingredients together is fascinating and and I don't think I, I, I mean and also who are those people to say that Japanese chefs wouldn't it's nothing they hadn't done before I mean anyone who is interested in food whether you're Japanese German or English you know we're all interested in each other's stuff so where did you get that idea you know I don't agree with that I think a lot of Japanese chefs would be absolutely riveted um, mm. you know somebody like Ishii Yoshinori is you know I can't wait to he's constantly riveted by the world around him so I, you know I don't agree with that <laughs> Do you know, I think about you at least once a week. Do you? And maybe more. Do you know Thursday this? evening, this you know the candle uh, <laughs> In the shower. Good <laughs> Lord. Special, special it's quite a racy go, show. Because, <laughs> um, because it's, it's funny, these little random, not that you're a random person, but random moments that there are people in my life and I'm just like, I think of them at that specific moment you whenever i chop parsley which at the moment is almost daily because there's a gremolata on the menu at sons and daughters the sandwich shop and your first cooking i think the first episode of your first cookery show Mm -hmm. you did crayfish Mm. with a hazelnut and parsley sort of butter Mm. and grilled them Mm. and you said something about um after very 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 finely chopping the parsley you're just saying you don't you know i can't bear to leave a single uh you have to chop it until it's as fine as sand you said i mean this is probably 2007 i watched this and i can still remember it almost exactly and it was like a million little voices screaming at you from the chopping board and you didn't want to leave a single bit on there so every time i chop parsley ingredients have feelings i hate waste and you know and you know if you if you say to people you know cut chives as finely chopped People finely chopped for some people is really weird. It's like, really? Is that finely chopped? If you say cut them to the size of mosquitoes' bracelets, then it's really bloody clear. So nice. I really like, you know, I like I like words and absurdity really to try and get people to do what you want, and also always talk to them. You know, when saying things like when you think it's ready, it's not. You know, go for a bit longer, and and people really have to. You have to tell people. You know, cooking it's, cookbooks are guidelines. And, you know, one woman's oven is another man's incinerator. And, you know, you can't... You've got to kind of get them out of these habits mm. of just kind of copying stuff or these ideas of finely chopped or onions have never taken five minutes to soften, <laughs> ever. Who's, the amount of cookbooks who, who that say that? five to six minutes, that's a load of rubbish. It takes at least eight to uh, yeah. 12. Um, I mean, so. I, I would say, actually, the amount of time that onions actually take to soften... They're vital, I get it, but they're fucking overrated because they're a right faff. They take ages. You have to do it. Even <laughs> yeah, I have, even I have to do but They're you, the backbone you, of I know, so they many things. They, they absolutely are. I'm just yeah. saying they're overrated because they're a pain in the ass, but you have to do it. You yeah. can't not do it. There yeah. isn't but I would always start a tomato sauce for pasta with onions until you're like, why the fuck do you bother with that? Oh, yeah, and now yeah. I never do. Just no. olive oil, garlic. I yeah, rarely put onions in my um, pat, in my tomato sauce, but you no, know, no, 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 yeah, no, yeah, yeah, I don't bother yeah, anymore. Yeah, but uh, sorry, that was a, the story about you and your parsley. It wasn't just me telling you that I think of you every day. Uh, it was a sort of thanks, darling. Some call it a segue into uh, your television career, and and Sam and I were talk, again talking about this before you came on, and and I said slightly. Fl- Sam said. Did Val kind of take your space, and is that why you didn't make it in food? And I said, <laughs> and I said no, but but maybe there's an element of probably. Do you think people had had enough of posh white guys talking? I think. About food? I mean, it was. I mean, Janice had pretty much said, you know, 
I think she, you know. Sorry, who, who's that? She was. Um, uh, I can't. I mean, I can't remember the way it went, but I think in the end, you know, there was no more for Val because I think there was too much of it. Mm. Um, and yeah, I really enjoyed it. Um, I think, and I think now, you know, but now I don't bake. Um, I couldn't care less about competitions, frankly. I don't cook to be healthy. Sometimes I just am because I like salad. And there's there's <laughs> n- there's a million wonderful things in cookery which which are not about the food. They're actually about the process of getting there. That the chain smoking Italian boar hunters or the little old lady hunched over like a croissant who makes the best salami or, or whatever the case may be and I think the great shame about television at the moment is you know terrestrial channels have you know I get the impression that they're kind of struggling but then there's these you know there are these fragile amazing fairy tales from the tops of mountains to the middle of the jungle to the, and if these aren't recorded it's all going to be a load of triple smoked hot dogs and coffee in 25 mm. years time and so go and bloody film these things. Yeah. Um, but, you know, that's not what they want to do. You know, everybody wants to travel and make food programs. Sorry, but join the queue. But, you know, I think food telly is, I think it's, it's kind of a little bit sad, really. But it feels um, like there's, with the Netflix, Amazon, Apple, everyone having all these need for content now and it feels like there's some interesting stuff getting made you know the david chang stuff is great yeah that is that is great but you, you know, know and the chef's please. table thing plays a role which but is kind of you for know, sure, but, again. But, but i'm just saying that's an area that wasn't yeah. being done before this sort of high art very but that's sort of, what i mean it's kind of all gone on to digital so yeah. you know the amount of, you know and, and i think that and i'm sorry to interrupt but you know no, something sorry. that was very classic case in point was that i've shot two deer on television over the years you know and you know there is a very Did dramatic you take back moment to your bed you are, <laughs> <laughs> and there's you know there's always a very dramatic moment when you've got your arms in an animal's stomach and they're bright red when you pull them out and there's all these kind of bits and on that's that's kind of wonderful and you want to say well look there's a steaming heart here to cook and there's kidneys and there's all these wonderful things but twice it got edited out um, two opportunities and so that's that kind of sums it all up for me. You know, you kind of want a big bang, you want an animal falling over, you want a lot of people writing in going, you're an asshole." But yet, you know, when you show any kind of proper visceral responsibility, edit flaw. You, and that's you, what the digital channels do so well, is yeah. they go, actually, there is an audience, and people do want to see these things. And, you know, meanwhile here, it's, okay, well, what competition's next? Who screwed up and burnt their leaks in front of Greg? It's like, so what? You know, I don't care. Sorry. Rant... No, no. <laughs> how did um, um, how did all that start? The TV thing, you know, where did you get? From? You're at Alistair Little's. Just going back to the I, origin story, but from well, there, it was a weird circuitous. I went back and worked in. I worked in the um, art world in galleries, then went and worked in television. Um, didn't like didn't like that for a documentary company. Um, then went and um, worked with um, Fred and Dodie called Chili Company, and we opened Taqueria, which I was a partner in, and then. I didn't it was know a kind of funny old time. I was one of the owners of Tacria, right. and um, and then um, Pat Llewellyn rang me up and said, "Who owned Optimum?" and said, um, he, "Apparently, I should see you. You talk quite a lot, and um, apparently, you can cook." Um, so I went to see her, and we did three screen tests. And she said, "You're weird, and I don't know what to do with you, um, but stay in touch." 
Um, and I did. And then in the end, I said, look, this has been a wonderful kind of vanity show. But And thanks for believing in me, but this isn't going to work. So just give me a job because actually I need one at the moment. I think it was my dead father talking to me who kind of jostled me and said, say this. Um, so I said, can I have a job and I'll work on other people's television programs? And then we'll try and get mine off the ground. But, you know, let's have another idea. And then that's what I did. I went and worked for Pat. We sent off something called um, What to Eat Now after six weeks of me working there and it got commissioned and that was it. So it was kind of... Wow. Um, oh, right, that quickly. It it, yeah, I kind of did well, two could months. Could have been you, dude. Took your spot. But there's plenty of time for Mr. Anthony. <laughs> he's young. He's, a, he's, a, he's eternally youthful. Um, you know. I'm not. I did a, I did a selfie video on, on the podcast... <clears throat> Instagram and I post it and I look back and I like, oh my god, I look so old and tired in my eyes. And I said this in passing to Rosie and she just started laughing, just like in confirmation of like, yeah, you looked so awful in that video. I think it was the, fir- I think it was the first... But you're not going to be judged on one video, James. I mean, you know, well, you're, you're a... But you're I don't a, even... I, you're a youthful man and, you know, I've really got crow's eye, you know, crow's feet. You don't. If, if um, someone... But I don't... I, the, idea, the idea of doing... Dump and stir television now makes me <laughs> What's genuinely dump and stir? just like oh, just like to camera, and then I'm going to sweat the onions for five to six minutes until they're rock hard, and then you add the sausage meat and don't add it all at once. Make sure you add it a little bit at a time, otherwise it's going to sweat. It's not going to brown, and it just I mean I'd, unless you're Jacques Pepin who was the master, you know that's just one camera. And Jamie had his moments, but fuck that. If someone said to me and Sam, we'd love to make some sort of television version of Tiki off Netflix, hope you're listening, um, yes, where you get awesome guests like Val and you have a chit-chat and then you cook something silly and you get drunk and then you go to a restaurant and you just interview someone long form on Netflix. Actually, I've just written but, a show. But, but that, look, I mean, you know, look, you know, that two nights ago I'm watching Floyd He's driving around he with the dump to the stuff. music of the Stranglers, yeah. which they paid for. And he's kind of there constantly. You'll think this is going to descend into chaos at any minute. It's unscripted. It's bloody hilarious. You know, surely it's not that hard to, you know, kind of do that again. Come on, James. Why don't, no, you know. no, 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 no. You the should ne- team up, the pair of you. No, I think you've, no, you should replace tick- me on the ticket. No, we're doing a ticket off Netflix. But If um, you've done, a, if you've done a, um, your Netflix plug, by the way, Netflix, you really need to come and see Kitchen on the Edge of the World because, I mean, then again, yeah. you know, here we are, okay. this playground well, of wilderness. Episode episode one. One. Episode playground one. of you the wilderness in we'll Arctic Norway. You know, for God's we'll sake. Come out. You can kill a deer, you can do whatever it is you do. There aren't any there, but we'll get something else. Can I say something controversial? Yeah. I... I love Keith Floyd's programmes. He never struck me as anything close to being a good cook. It didn't All matter. Food, that was that, no. I mean, that's what I'm saying. Was, but is that fair? You know, he cooked. Okay, sometimes it doesn't look great, but then still, there are a whole load of people outside eating under the dappled light of a plane tree. It's hot, and on the table are chickens and ratatouille, and he's filled up the table with all this stuff, and you can almost smell the rosemary coming out of the television, and it's kind of. Do you find um, consolation in food, Valentine? Ah, oh, that was extremely clever. Yes, I do. Um, 
Have you ever thought about d- writing a book about that? Well, it just so happens that I have written a book called <laughs> The Constellation of Food. That, no that was the uh, most pro <laughs> move we've ever had on the podcast. So Which well played, James. Initially, was meant to be. A, I actually wanted to write a cookbook, a cookbook, cookbook. for divorcees and the recently bereaved, and do it on sandpaper. <laughs> Very small book, but my publisher said that's just really weird. Which I actually, yeah, I would I agree with. Ag- them. I didn't agree with them on that one. I thought we all. Well, you're alienating. You're alienating. What the non-divorced in your life, and people who aren't don't you know, <laughs> uh, Muslims and atheists. You know, anyone who basically doesn't read a psalm book, which is most people. Well, I just like, meant well, on psalm paper, not so. Anyway, okay. anyway, that got axed. I, I thought you. I, sorry, I thought you were saying it's a self-flagellation flagellatory things uh, sandpaper but I thought you were saying no, not sandpaper. a very posh no. way and I was or, like or just to punish yourself even more school newspaper <laughs> if you can remember what that was like you're quite good at um, um, you're quite good at coming up with ideas that you then have an argument with your publisher about because I remember your, the good table mm. uh, the intro is all about they didn't like this title well they thought I it didn't. sounded like a carpentry book which I thought was ridiculous um, of course you know the good table it doesn't sound like it's, no one's going to think it's a carpentry manual uh, but anyway, there we go. Um, I won that one. Consolation in food, anyway, as opposed to heroin. Or, uh, um, the consolation in food. food um, it really ended up becoming a massive um, brain dump. Did I want to write another cookery book? No. Um, we've got was the, was, enough um, of those. Was The Good Table the last one? The, no, then there was a weird one called What to Eat Next, which everyone was thought was What to Eat Now, so they bought it already, and it, it, it was just a disaster. Uh-huh. It's things you could cook in 45 minutes. What a stupid idea. Um, so yeah. it wasn't a, you know, great recipes, but um, yeah. uh, no. So the consolation of food is everything f- from my contempt for British <laughs> divorce courts to a poem about my sister's pig, um, to my worries about nature, to catering disasters of my life, to things I deeply feel uh, are so odd about humankind. So it's kind of like a massive tale. Are there recipes? There's recipes and frivolities. And I thought it was very important that in this age where we're all kind of showing off and I'm, you know, saying, you know, sending up all this Instagram stuff. Actually, I wanted it to be full of my idiocy, my frivolities, my disasters and, you know, as well as and sadnesses. Because I think, you know, as as a man who's been divorced and whose children are living in another country, you know, I kind of wanted to talk about that a bit. You know, it was very odd when I got, you know, my papers saying, my decree absolute, you are divorced. Yeah. I wrote a chapter saying, no, I didn't jump in the air and go out and get pissed with my mm. friends. I felt this. So it's kind of, I think it's quite sad. It's um, Did you... some of it, and some of it's hopefully hilarious, and some of it is just, I guess, me saying, you know, I don't quite understand why we think this when all of this is going on around us. So um, it's meant, it's kind of a bit of everything, really. And did you was was there if not catharsis in <laughs> if not a uh, Valentine's sorry, just topping up one beer into yes, another strange <laughs> behaviour? <laughs> if if there wasn't catharsis in getting the papers through, was there a little catharsis in writing about it? Yeah, that's. I mean, that's what I did. I kind of wrote a bit about it, like being kind of sitting on the edge of a battlefield with you know, kind of hanging smoke and dead horses. Um, I also kind of. I don't think I'd really grieved my father's death, and right. by thinking about him. You know, when I was writing, he was kind of almost in the room sometimes, and I kind of look up and go hi. That's all. And um, and I wrote about my dad a lot, and he'd been so key to my life. And I suddenly saw him there in the book. And when I kind of, you know, a lot, and when I read it for the first time, I thought, Jesus, how much do you really want people to know about you? Um, so I 
kind of took a lot out, but it's I think it's pretty raw and it's there's it's meant to be humorous as well. I mean, there's a lot it's of it's got to be, you know, there's some funny stuff in there. I think. And what's yeah. the obviously going through something like that with divorce and dealing with the passing of your dad? But where's the also what you said about you know the natural world or whatever? Where's the do you, do you see maybe it's in the book? I haven't read the book. I'm sorry. The, <laughs> You know, where's the hope, the green shoots, the you know, in 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 those things? Uh, I, I'm I'm an eternally hopeful person. Um, somebody might think stupidly hopeful. I kind of believe in, you know, in the best. I'd like to see kind of good things. I'm also, uh, you know, the troll under the bridge, and I think. Um, I think in I endeavour to be as you know share as much as possible, um, but I feel pretty nihilistic. Um, kind of balanced with an idea that can we really help it? Our brains are this big. This is how we behave. Is that what I feel I feel pretty bleak for the future. Um, I think you really have to shock people into making change. I don't think you can end with a good news story about a baby polar bear. Um, so I, I feel pretty bleak about things. But but in the meantime, um, all I want to do is tell people, I guess, stories about how great these things are before they're gone. But also within that writing a book, largely about food, but obviously covering all these other things, super personal things in in the current climate. Oh, I didn't want to use that word. I can't think of a different word. Um, environment. Environment. Cultural environment. Cultural, 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 environment. cultural environment. But like, to, but to do something that sounds quite vulnerable and quite exposing, and uh, is mm. basically the opposite of what everyone is told to do with a book with a, with anything you know to be that vulnerable be that kind of down i guess about i've never done what I've, i'm told um i i don't go with the I, you know i've i've you know i'm against the flow i'm an oddity i'm a strange one i'm you know people find me odd and difficult and you know sometimes i find quite, you very odd and very difficult sometimes yeah. quite aggressive but i think you know it was very important for me because i don't you know i, I want to share that it's kind of like you know by the way it's all right to feel like that or you know and also you know do you do, what do you um uh you're obviously very self-aware which is um you know a a, a relative rarity in the current uh, cultural environment. <laughs> <laughs> That's the episode title. <laughs> but uh, do you do anything to try, like meditation or mindfulness to try? No, I, no, um, no. I, I, you know, I. I, I mean, being aware I mean, of I, it. You know, there's some, you know, maybe some silly things in there, but you know, I kind of wrote about some. You know, I kind of wrote about, I, I guess, in some respect, about, you know. You know, there's a famous chef I've told the story about, but I don't think he's great, so I wrote it. Um, Naming names? Yeah, I didn't name names, but not in a, not in an aggressive way. But it's just, you know, it's actually it's it's all kind of there's a vehicle for for getting away with it and the whole thing. But you know, it, it's you know, I kind of just want to say, you know, you can keep reputations going as long as possible by bowing and scraping. But actually, you know, I don't agree. Um, Fair so um, because otherwise, you perpetuate these. Reputations, I feel because nobody's is no because nobody's going to say. Well, actually, I, I don't. I don't think it's that great. I think much as um, we're we're in. A, so it wasn't. Mix, can I just say it yeah, wasn't? I haven't nailed anyone spitefully, um, but you no, know, no, I no. just wanted to kind of you know. No, just no bowing and scraping. To, to that yeah. point, I, uh, um, without naming names myself, but uh, there, I'm still amazed by the fact that our food critics will review favourably or at all um, 
you know, chefs who everyone knows to be, or operators or whatever, like morally abject, and everyone knows it, and, and they still get reviewed. And I do think it's I, I can't quite figure out how that happens still, given we're meant to be enlightened and. Uh, we're you know, not enlightened. I mean, there's there's probably what two people in the world who are an enlightened. The only one well, I know of is a Tibetan, um, you know, nun. I use the word um, loosely, but, but, but you know, anyone's enlightened. And not not to compare, uh, not, to compare Lama, not to compare, you know, the, the post Weinstein were meant to all be street, speaking truth to power, and the fact that uh, these famous chefs still get a sort of free pass up to a point, as opposed to even if, even if the reviews said. This place is well, great, but you know, you know that would be at least a things play out as they do. So you know, but it's worth you know. I say that without naming names, so I've sort of whimpered out myself. But um. <laughs> <laughs> we're all whimpering out. So we get, let's get back to some hard facts. Well, uh, um, uh, one question: we will get to the the quiz part of the podcast, oh, which is a huge part of the current culture environment <laughs> yeah. in which we're well, showing people up publicly. I, 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 I thought this episode was going to be called <laughs> Egg Pellets. That's <but laughs> yeah. um, a bit of a weird question, and you'll say, I don't know, and I've never thought about it, because anybody would mm-hmm. say exactly that. Mm-hmm. But y- you, you've been on TV, you've had books, you're uh, up in uh, Norway doing your thing, did a and you've said, oh, I'm weird, people think I'm weird, or whatever, all these things. But what do you think now, like, would be your... What, what would, do you think people would think about if somebody said, oh, Valentine Warner, who's Valentine Warner? Because obviously you're doing very different things in some ways than you were doing, but you're also doing the same things. You're doing a book, you're dealing with food, blah, 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 all those things. So, well, uh, so the question is... What do you think that people think when they think, who's Valentine Warner? Um, I like think now, I think now. they think um, he's uh, he's kind of quirky. I know that's an awful question. Quirky. So. He's um, he's going to have a view. He's f- frustrating, um, and I just I, I God, you know, I, I, I really don't I know. know but I think question, it, I think one thing I, you, you know maybe you other his... cooks do other cooks maybe think about me is there's somebody who who does know about his ingredients but this is a, sort of um, my point which you know, i know is an awful question to ask somebody to no no answer, no it's, but just purely because you're sort of doing these very different things like I, I had sorry to say i had no idea that you were fucking around in norway with goats or whatever it is um no sorry the goats are in the flat <laughs> there's, a, that's there, become there, there's goats in norway too yeah. don't worry uh, i made sure but, of it <laughs> It's the only ingredient you're allowed to be imported. (laughs) Um, uh, Oh god, (laughs) so many jokes, just can't make them. Um, But but you know to do that and then to write a book, which is obviously very different than the books that you've written previously. And Mm. I suppose it's that thing of where you appear in the public conscious um, consciousness. As, as one thing but then becomes something very different but obviously people still probably have it in their head oh it's Val Warner it's the like lanky, I, lanky dude I, in the woods I, I think that, I think <laughs> they kind of um, I, I think people kind of you know trust me about food they know that I'm, I'm going to give them a story you know they know I like you know I, I'm going to tell them a story um, and that um, yeah, and that I won't Probably sell kettles and toasters, you know, because I get offered. But do you get, do you care? Do you care what the what people think? I do, do, yeah, I you, do. You know, yeah, okay, way. so yeah, I mean, on one hand, I couldn't give a 
But on the other hand, I'm one of the most sensitive people in the world. And if I feel I've upset somebody or somebody is upset with me, you know, I, I get very panicky. Um, I, I, you know, the blood drains out of my face. And I go, shit. So, I, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm reckless to a degree, but then I, I really mind about what people think. I don't like upsetting people, but then I'm quite prone to actually it all comes out and then I might have to ring them up the next morning and go, shit, I'm sorry, but... Um, yeah, you're going to have to do that after this <laughs> And all the listeners. Um, I'm kind of ruled, I, I don't know, I'm ruled by all sorts of things. Um, you know, and maybe I would have been clever, you know, I think if I got anything very wrong in my career, um, is as I was presented with a huge opportunity when I was on television to, you know, I think I, I, I could have gone on, but I was just having a bloody good time. And I didn't play the game. And if people upset me or annoyed me, I, I let them know it. And I think that was very stupid of me because I think I could have perpetuated the whole thing for a lot longer. But I didn't play the game. And I think that if I've, if well, I've for done... For example... Um, well, just, you know, bow, bow and scrape to the right people, basically. If you go to a party, make sure you talk to them. If you, if you, if you think something, don't piss them off. Um, just say you think it's great. And I guess that's in answer to your question. I, I, if I don't think it's great, I'm not going to say it is. Um, and I don't think it's done me any favours, actually. And as I've got older... I've learned to kind of, you know, play the game. Mm. You know, know who everybody is and understand why they're important. Don't go, you know, charging in there, have fun, and then realise that that wasn't very clever. Um, and that's my regret. Yeah, you were nailed the Val Warner thing. Cause just because a real ass liquor. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Company <laughs> man. Company <laughs> man. Yeah. yeah, I never say what I think. <laughs> Absolutely not. It's absolutely silent. It was a joke. You would have been no, a brilliant. You would have been a brilliant James Ramsden. No, but uh, really like you, Sam. You're yeah. great. All right, uh, should we do this? Uh, overrated, underrated, or correctly rated? Bear Grylls. Uh, overrated. Overrated. I'm not really. I don't actually know a lot about. Bear no, can I? Can I do that again? I mean, he does a whole lot of things that I on. absolutely can't do. Right. Um, and you know, for all my kind of Mister, oh, I'm like outdoors and picking stuff on the side of hills. I wouldn't last bloody five minutes if I had to follow him around for two hours. So right. correctly rated. Correctly rated. Yeah. James, do you have an opinion on Bear Grylls? Well, he's an alpha Christian, so I, I, I'm unimpressed by that. I'm Greek Orthodox. He hung out with Obama, that was cool. Did he? Did an episode with. Yeah. He didn't hang out with Trump, Obama though, did he? Which with everyone now. That documentary I watched last night, that American Factory, he was in there. That documentary, who turns up interviewing the people who made it? The Obamas. Yeah, they're just filling well, their they, days. Yeah, they've got, <laughs> they got, got to pay the bills. <laughs> they're bored. They're bored. I mean, go to bingo like everyone else. <laughs> uh, okay, overrated, underrated, correctly rated. Humble vegetables. I'm talking marrow, <laughs> swede. Underrated. 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 Now your audience, Sam. Marrow is delicious. Is it? But you've got to dry it out. You've got to get rid of a lot of the moisture. Then it's it starts to taste what it is. It's kind of like yeah. a melon with no sugar in it, or you know whatever. <laughs> yeah, that doesn't sound good to me. Yeah, but but then you've but then when you kind of fill it up with. I know you can make no, it. No, I really like. I like marrow with caraway yeah. fried in butter with caraway seeds. It's bloody delicious, um, and Swede. 
That is a cracking vegetable. Is yeah, it? I fucking yeah, love sweet. I love with, sweet. Uh, okay. You know, put sweet in the stew, and you might as well put a big spoonful of brown sugar in it, and it's and it's just great. And yeah, with lots of black pepper and lots of butter. Pepper. All right. Mm. All right. I'm not going to comment. Yeah. Uh, overrated, underrated, or correctly rated? Uh, Cubs Scouts. Cub Scouts. Yeah, Cub Scouts. Underrated. Underrated. Yeah. Did you rock that when you were a kid? No, I didn't. I wish I had. I think it's a way to get them outdoors. I think it's a way to with all the shitty stuff going on. And I'm actually, you know, as much as I miss my children, I mean, as much as my heart breaks that I don't see them run through the door every night. The fact is, they're growing up in the Pyrenees, and they're sharpening sticks and running around and stuff. And I think kids need it. And I think all kids are born into nature books, nature stories, nature everything. So continue that as long as possible because it's flipping essential. And so I'm, you know, I think it actually should be what's it like military service. They should have to do junior, you know, it should be like junior, junior service. They should almost have to do it. Well, so, you know, you can go around lighting, trying to set your tent on fire yes, with matches fires. and stuff. It's Mainly great fun. the thing is fires. What was that? Fire and knives and, you yeah, know. Yeah, fires, knives, you get to do stuff that you think yeah. is, like, really dangerous. Axe throwing. Ging, gang, gooly, 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 gooly. No, they Pabu, goo, goo, palm up. Yeah. I don't know. Um, <laughs> okay, overrated, underrated, or correctly rated. Throwback to earlier. Homemade stock. Ah. Underrated. But underrated. people do some really freaking stupid things. I mean, I saw somebody the other day, a friend of mine, so excuse me, but they took, they roasted a chicken with a lemon in it, and then they put the lemon, oh, and then no. the lemon went in the stock, so then of oh. course they made a really horrible bit of stock. But also, but then again, the thing that annoys me about stocks, everyone goes, ooh, I'm going to go and buy some celery, and I've got to buy some carrots, and I've got to buy something to put in my stock. Fuck that. Bones and salt, and you'll make an amazing stock. But that goes back to your thing about recipes. Being, you know, people would not get so the recipe for stock will say half a carrot, half an onion, a, a, a couple of two cloves, and people are going to the shop and buying a pot of cloves and some carrots. But that should say you any old junk you've got but, in. But change lemon. and adapt. I think if anything, with my cooking now, I'm you know trying to be more Italian, more Japanese, whatever. It's take stages out. I read all my old recipes and I go. They're so complicated. You know, why did you put that in? Or why you didn't even have to put flour in it? It's got cream in it, mm. and you just boil it for a bit longer. Or the kiss may be in. So I really, my old recipes really annoy me because now everything I'm trying to do is actually take stages out of cooking, not add ones in. But I think we should all make our own stock. And the amount of meat that we eat, yeah, you know, not pointing, you know, no fingers pointed, but the amount of meat that we eat, we should be making lots of stocks. You can freeze them, and also you can buy, you can cook some down to the state of marmite, and then pour more water, and you can leave, leave other ones, you know, in the fridge and use them the next day. Just, I love stock. I make tons of it, and it's we should all be doing it. and buying those kind of ambient bags in the supermarket. It's like in a bag, and it sits in a cupboard for six days. It's like, I mean, six months. It's just. Weird. Sam, what's your take on that? My take would be, I think, I, I completely agree with the, that we eat a lot of meat and people have bones, although a lot of people don't have bones in their meat, so mm. But anyone telling you have bones, definitely make some stock. Delicious, mm. great. When was the last time you ate a chicken? I roast chickens all the time. Do you make stock? Yeah. All right. No, okay. Yeah, yeah. So, oh, so I th- yeah. uh, the impression I got from your Absolutely. question was... I'm going to continue. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Come on. If you've got the bones, make the stock, fine. Yeah. yeah. But... I would say maybe I'm bad at stock, which is what he's going to say. He's going to say, you make bad stock. I make nice stock. It's nice. But a lot of dishes, I think, are better with stock cube stock. 
Uh, no, this is a whole different subject. Because because yeah, you're, adding, you're adding brilliant. a whole bunch of other junk, I guess, probably in a stock queue. If you get a good one... I love and, a North stock for... Yeah, they're they're <laughs> delicious. Fucking love them. They're delicious. And you put them in a dish, and there's this whack of flavour, which I was bang on about, but, but I think sometimes... But then you need it to people... run alongside, I mean, you know, a chicken, the chicken stock with the North stock. Uh, that's yeah, the yeah, move. The, 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 corollary oh, que- the corollary question is... I'm not dissing stock. Overrated, underrated, correctly rated, bought stock. And I would say... Underrated by food Board snobs stock because is basically like stock cubes and, yeah. and, and all of that because they're okay. great. Right, okay, yeah, no, no, fair one. enough. Okay, okay. I agree. And but by those the way, ambient things just taste like somebody has taken two ladles of the water out of the bottom of the dishwasher, put it in a bag, charged two pounds sixty for it, and they last. Yeah, yeah. Right. Which one? Ambient. Yeah, the sort of. Oh yeah, yeah. They don't they taste don't, anything yeah. horrible. The canola, it's good kit. I reckon it's good kit. That was all I was saying, which I should probably say the other way around. Stock. Also, Marco Pierre. Is all I know. Anyway, let's move on. Um, okay, the second Can part. Coin, <laughs> second part of the quiz. This okay. is the quick fire. Okay. So the first answer that comes in your head, and you're welcome to expand. First question: Where would you like a statue of you placed when you die? It's <laughs> a really good one, Sam. Well done. Thank you, James. Fuck, that's great. You can take some time, have a think about. Mmm. Where would I like a statue when I die? Flip. That's really hard. Can you I know, you can, you can have a spare plinth in Trafalgar Square. Like or you can... Two beers. Yeah, 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 yeah if you brilliant. do. Hey. Either it would be my gravestone, with a you know a stone bubble coming out saying onwards. Nice. Um, or it would be next to the largest branch of Krispy Kreme in London with a disapproving look on my face. Because you disapprove Krispy Kreme or makes you disapprove you yourself. Angry every time I see Does it? it? Yeah. Why? Why, why Krispy Kreme round Burger me, King? It just makes me cross. Okay. Don't know why. Totally irrational. Fair have, have you eaten them? They're delicious. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> they are good. I quite like them. Yeah. <laughs> the disapproving look is at yourself. Is it myself? Up. Actually, maybe that's what a lot of this is about. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. He's, he's, he's a very uh, human man, this one. James, where would you put a statue of yourself? <laughs> um, probably next to Billy Bremen outside Allen Road. Yeah? With a disapproving look at myself <laughs> and not really being interested in Leeds United anymore. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Right. Actually, or could I have them made lots of little ones, which are sold yeah. in all the London gift shops? So you get so next to the double decker buses, yeah, and all the things that you can get at remind your telephone yeah. box. There's one of me because then people would go, "Well, he must be something really to do with London, yeah, because he's in this with all these very iconic things." So they all take them home. So yeah. loads of mini me's, okay, everywhere. I feel like this but is actually, no, but then that goes against like, oh. everything I feel about you know, kind of resailing. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I hate that question. Next, yeah. all right. Okay, sorry, um, this is fun. <laughs> what food did you used to dislike and now you quite like? Goat. <laughs> oh, I loved pum, goat. Pum, pum, pum. What did I used to dislike? Oh, uh, natto. Um, oh, really? I hated it. That's it. It's it's for it. listeners who don't know what's well, natto. It's, it's kind of fermented soybeans and it looks like kind of alien. It looks like alien dripping spawn. Yeah. It's kind of white beads of glue. Do, do you actually off. like it now? You're like, oh, no. I'm no, now I, you, you so. get it in. It's one of those. It's you. you once you've got it in. Yeah. Then it's a good thing. So I, I couldn't eat it. It's the, literally the only thing I couldn't eat. I think that was Bourdain's thing as well, um, wasn't it? Natto. And now I can eat it. gross, and he yeah. would eat just about anything. Do you have any, James, that you've changed your tune on over the oh, years? Oh, no, no, nothing interesting. Uh, parsley. Parsley? Used to hate parsley. Really? Did you? Forced myself to in like my it. Head, the head, in my head, you're the king of parsley. During Ballymaloo, every day I'd eat parsley until I liked it. What were you kind of a little bit every day? Tolerance. Yeah. Was that Grant Ackett's used to do that with rabbit? Because he wanted to put rabbit on his menu, but it made his face blow up. So he, Did it? he ate tiny bits of rabbit every day to build up a tolerance to it. Because he wanted to put oh, it on his swanky tasty menu. Uh, fennel? 
You love Fennel now. Love Fennel. You yeah, love Fennel now. You used to hate it. Who, who, who changed that for you? I don't know. I think I, it, probably no one, but just like the idea of it. Just the idea of, oh, yeah, I want to have a salad like I'm in Capri in the 50s. Yeah. And you need Fennel to do that in my head. You know, cigarettes, sort of high-cut swimming costume. Are you a Julian? Yeah. Fennel. Yeah. Uh, okay. Uh, would you rather see a ghost in the woods or in a house? These are at really rubber. Well, I have seen a ghost in the woods. Okay. Um, what, what was the ghost? The ghost. There's a lot of ghost chat on the pod. Just I was hunting. Right. And I was uh, had my sticks and a rifle, and I was in the woods looking for deer, and I turned around, and a white heart jumped out of nowhere. And it jumped straight over my head, and I saw its legs, and I saw the hair on its belly super close up, and I saw its pizzle and its tail. And it, I turned around to watch it kind of crash into the brambles and dash off through the woods, and it dissolved into a tree. And I unloaded my gun, I took the clip out, um, and I walked home, and I told my friend who was with me, and I said, we're going back. We sat there very silently and drank a bottle of wine, and um, I didn't go out for the rest of that day. Fucking hell, despite the fact that that's a story about a deer, I'm not going to make a joke. It was, it's, in, it's in the book called The Heart of the Woods. Wow. That's a good story. So, and I wouldn't like to see them in a house because I find I'd rather be in the woods. I find houses quite creepy. Also, deer walking. But woods can be creepy too. Ghost deer in a house would be damn right. Um, but woods can, you know, all woods are very different. Um, some of them make the hair stand up on the back of my neck. Others feel incredibly friendly. James, where would you rather see a ghost? <laughs> I mean, you'd be Depends like, I is. don't believe in you, wherever you saw it, but if you did, <laughs> where would you rather be? Uh, I like the idea of seeing a deer ghost yeah. in the woods, um, but if it's like a human ghost, you're out in the wood on your own, suddenly there's just this like figure in the distance, just this man with a faraway look in his face, <laughs> it looks sad but also threatening. That would be freaky, whereas in a yeah. house you'd be like, get out. Dad, go on. get out. Uh, where would I rather? No woods. Woods would be woods is more eerie. So, so you'd be, rather be. I'd rather be. The... Yeah, if you're going to do it, in for a penny, in for a pound. All right, nice. Always going around the corner, faces appearing in the window, and then not being there. Steps following you, but nothing. To, uh, it's a house. Yeah, no, don't, not house. Yeah. House. I'd rather not see a ghost in a house. All right, uh, pick a braise. What's the best braise? Ha. Huh. Best braise, well, my favourite is that I like cooking um, pork neck with clams. Oh, oh yeah. nice. Yeah, and yeah. Um, Jerusalem artichokes in there as well. So you've got mm. the pork neck and Jerusalem artichokes and all pale meat. If you meat. could leave them out, what's the liquor? What's the braising liquor? They're bad on everyone's What's the braising liquor? All itself. Well, no, so no, just no, a no, little cup of a little glass wine, of cider, cider, glass of cider, and then all the you know the clam juice, and you leave it. If you cook on a low heat, you won't boil all the juice away, and then the juice will come out of the pork as well. But, um, that's a great, that's a great um, shot, James. It's an best braise. I like, I just like the word braise. Yeah, I mean anything braise, I'm sort of on board with. I'm wild um, for a braise, mad for a probably a little, little, you know, braised lamb, something with a bit. of bit of something something a bit of something else and just yeah. summing it up it's probably some swede in there praise duck legs I love, I love them cooked yeah. you know always confit but I really like a duck leg which has been yeah, kind of cooked really there's, so. there's comfort in the word with braise. swede there is yeah with swede yeah. duck and swede duck and swede uh, okay, and the final question of the quick fire on this week's edition of the kitchens on fire would you rather have 
bird's feet for hands or elephant's feet for hands? Bird's feet. Bird's feet. They're the same size as a bird. Like, not a massive bird. Just don't say, like, a turkey falcon or something, or a vulture. Like, you've got little bird feet instead of a hand, or you've got elephant feet on the end of your Yeah, arms. but try wrapping Christmas presents with elephant feet. True. Try smashing Wait. up pistachio nuts in the pub. Like, yeah, but what do you spend more time doing? I spend a lot of time fishing, so he the elephant feet are nuts. <laughs> elephant feet, again, I don't sit around eating Brazil nuts all the time. I'm more likely to be fishing and trying to tie flies on the end of the line, so mm. I'll go for the chicken's feet. More threatening, though? You know, dark alley, somebody says, give me a wallet. You're coming at them with some little bird I feet. think just creeping up behind somebody and clawing them in the eye or literally hideously scratching their armpit or, you know, I think the chicken's feet are... Also, remember yeah, that a chicken's foot, hundreds of million years down the line, is yeah. actually a dinosaur's foot. When I see chickens and they've been plucked, they look like little dinosaurs. That's true, so. but if somebody tries to mug you in an alley and you go, back off, these are like dinosaur... No, you no, no, but they're going to see them and freak out. But they're tiny, they're the same size as they would be on a normal Scratch bird. their eyeballs with a chicken's foot. Okay, maybe drop the dinosaur chat, though, with a mugger, because he's going to be like, fuck I'm off. not going to be talking to him, I'm going to be horribly scratching and biting immediately. Okay. James? Oh, there it goes. You did well today. You stayed with it, stayed with me till right at the end of the I'd rather play it. croquet with the elephant's feet. <laughs> you trying to posh bash me? <laughs> Jesus Christ. Pop, prattle. Uh, uh, elephant's feet are going to be a pain in the arse. I'm with Val. Yeah? Yeah. yeah, try doing up your flies at the elephant's feet. Yeah, I just that's leave them all the time. Yeah, but you're an elephant. You've got the trunk in a different place. Prehensile cop. Uh, uh, Val, thank you so much for your time. It's thank been an absolute pleasure. Uh, thank you. Everyone, when's your book coming out? Um, it's coming out. It came out in October the 3rd. That's awkward. 2019. Why did, a, why didn't you bring a copy? B, why didn't Because I, know I thought um, you'd have one, actually. C, sack your publisher. D, uh, Sorry. Sam, please cut that. That's too embarrassing. Uh, <laughs> the fucking book is out now. It's called The Constellation of Food. It's a beautiful memoir come recipe book. <laughs> come ode to goats. Um, thanks, Valentine. Pleasure. Goodbye. Cheers. Goodbye. Thanks, guys. No, say was... goodbye. Say goodbye. Oh, goodbye. <laughs> goodbye, goodbye, goodbye. I'm going to shake your hand so right So long. Now. Farewell. I assume that's something.